One of the most important aspects of a basketball player's career is how they're evaluated. It can impact their playing time, how they're drafted, and even their contracts. For years, Jonathan Gavoni has established a benchmark for player evaluation with Draft Express. He specialized in tracking and gathering measurables on players for teams, coaches, and fans to follow. A job with a tremendous amount of depth and influence, we rarely get to find out how it works. Turning the tables on things a bit, Penny has some thoughts on the process from both a coach and player's perspective. As he sits down with John during the Memphis Pro Day, we find out just what the criteria is for rankings and how projections can be as accurate as possible. Penny continues the thought by getting right to the point with John, determining where a player should dedicate their focus and let their production on the court do the talking. It's some inside stuff here on the Two Cents Podcast, so let's get right into it. And don't forget, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You get every episode as soon as they drop. What's up, everybody? We're back to the My Two Cents Podcast. We have a special guest, Jonathan Gavoni from the Draft Express. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. We're at our pro day uh, where you get a chance to do what you do and evaluate players that you probably have already seen their entire careers, uh, but in a college setting. And we're trying to set this setting up for the guys so that they can kind of get an idea of what the scouts and the writers and the experts feel about them, even though we tell them what we think. It's better coming from a professional like yourself. Um, what Explain to the people what Draft Express does. Yeah, so I started my website in 2003 and uh, just started traveling around the globe, going to different events, different camps, um, you know, building a network, a relationship with scouts and agents, professionals, with parents and players and just everybody that's involved in the talent identification sphere and the development sphere, too. And just trying to educate myself and learn as much as I can. I, You know, it's been almost 20 years now that I've been doing it, but I feel like every day I'm learning more and more and just trying to get a little bit better at my job. What about the unseen guy? I have this story that I tell everybody really quickly. Ninth grade, I played on a, a local church AAU team. We didn't travel. We stayed in state. The next year I played for the YMCA. We traveled around the country. I wasn't ranked. I was unknown. Go to a tournament at Boo Williams. I'm the number one 10th grader three weeks later after that tournament. I had an unbelievable tournament. No one knew who I was. What about those kids that are saying, hey, you, you, haven't even, you guys haven't even seen me yet. You feel like you've seen almost every kid pretty much. But there's that unknown kid out there that nobody, that nobody knows about yet. Send me film, you know, send me the information, let me know. I mean, the great thing about the world today is that you could pull up video on any guy almost immediately. So I'm always trying to, you know, find uncovered guys because for me it's – Everybody knows that Imani Bates and Jalen Dern are good. Mm -hmm. I want to find the next guy. You know, my biggest success story is being the first guy to go watch Giannis Adetokounmpo. You know, and so that like that's something I'll carry with me because I got a tip the summer before, and I started watching videos. And I kind of like this guy. Let me fly out to Greece and watch him. I watch him. I'm like, holy cow, this guy is good. I'm going to do an article. We're going to break down video and, you know, and let me interview him. You know, and every time that you see Giannis now, they show the interview that I did of him, you know, and for me that that's my pride. It's not, you know, just repeating the same thing that everybody else is saying, you know, that this guy is the number one player in this class. So yeah, I mean, that's my, the challenge is to find the unknown guy. That's the fun part about this job. Yeah, no, I love that as well. How is this an important tool for the player and for the teams before they even see a player. You, they're looking at what you're saying about them and go, okay, I trust Jonathan. Like how is it such an important tool for the players and for the team? 
I mean, you know, I think that it's important to give players feedback because in this, you know, when they're in high school, when they're being recruited, they don't have a lot of people really telling them the truth, you know? That's true. And so I think it's important to break down a player's strengths and their weaknesses and, and explain to them that, like, you're just another guy at the end of the day. There's only 450 players in the NBA. If you want to make it, you need to do this, 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 and that. And because I've seen you 10 times before. You know, and, and, and nine of those guys didn't make it. So it's great. You're talented right now, but there's so much more work to do to get to where you want to go. Yeah, the, the key to evaluating a kid, when you first walk into the gym and he's fresh, you have not seen him, what, how are you evaluating that kid? Well, the first thing you see is their physical tools. You know, do they, do they look like an NBA player? I mean, mm-hmm. how tall are they? What's their body type? What's their wingspan? Is their frame going to continue evolving? How athletic are they? How coordinated are they? What, what is their balance? Uh, you know, how fluid do they move? What's their body control? How quickly do they get off the ground? And there's so many, you know, little things that are going to determine, you know, are they going to stay healthy? You know, I mean, right, sometimes you see guys right away say, well, the way that guy moves, I don't know if that's, going to be able to sustain itself five years from now and then you start looking at the skill set you know can he handle the ball with both hands can he pass can he shoot how's his feel for the game how does he defend you know and what kind of teammate is he what's his background we start asking questions of people like you where did he come from you know what do his parents do for a living what's his background um you know how well liked is he by teammates i mean there's so many different things that go into whether a player is going to make it or not. And we don't have a crystal ball. I mean, if we get it right 60, 70% of the time, I feel like we're doing great. And and so, you know, the more information you have, the better being at places like this, watching them in person, sitting next to the guys who are making decisions and asking them questions. What are you seeing? What do you like? What do you not like? What do you hear? Um, And that's important. And then you go home and you watch the video too. You try to watch as many full games as possible. You try to break down, you know, tools like synergy. How do they do in the pick and roll when they're trapped, when it's, when they're hedged, when, uh, when it's a flat ball screen, you know, so there's so many, when they go under, what do they do when they need to play one-on-one? So, you know, we try and narrow down the pool as much as we can and try and study those guys as much as possible. Oh, that's awesome. So the criteria for the rankings, you watch film, and then you dissect whether these guys are – I can tell you this guy's way more elite than you because I've watched enough film on him and I've watched enough film on you. So that's, that's basically like I've watched enough – my eye test is telling me this guy is number one in the country. And I talk to the people who are making decisions, the, the people that are writing the checks, because mm. you know, I could love a player – and but if the NBA is not into them, then I'm not going to put him fifth, you know, because if I know he's going to go 25th, I don't want to be wrong on draft night. So I'll say I think this player is undervalued by the NBA, but he's not. I'm going to have him 25th because that's where the league has him. Yeah. Now, is there too much stock put in the upside and potential? Those are two big words. Is there too much stock put into that versus a guy that can can get it done right now? Sometimes there is, yeah. I mean, sometimes the unknown is really the, the mystery of it is, is appealing to the NBA teams because, you know, they look at like a Davion Mitchell and they say, well, you know, he's six foot one, he has a six foot two wingspan, and, you know, he's 23 years old, and, you know, he is what he is, you know. So let's go draft a guy instead, you know, a Zaire Williams, you know, who was not a good player in the, in the Pac-12, but, you know, he's 6'9", he's got this beautiful frame, and, you know, you look at the upside, you say, maybe he's Kevin Durant, you know, but in all likelihood, he's not going to be. So you have to find the balance, I think, between 
production and potential. I think that there's a fine line there, but you also want to know, you know, like how much room does the guy have to grow? Because if he is a finished product, if you're drafting a guy that is going to be the same player five years from now, then probably that guy's not going to help you win an NBA championship. Right. No, I understand that. What happens if a kid makes a jump too early? We saw that in this year's draft, especially a lot of kids made that jump and were very, very, very disappointed. There were some guys that went higher than I expected. There were some guys that went late second round that I thought could maybe sneak up late first round, top second round, but they went really late. What happens if a guy makes that decision too early? Like, what do you say to kids that are saying, hey, you got to be careful with making a decision too early? You have to be patient. You know, it's not about making the NBA. It's staying in the NBA. And it's one thing to get into the NBA through the back door, and it's another thing to roll in on the red carpet. Because if you roll in on the red carpet and you're a lottery pick, you're a top 20 pick, you're a first-round pick, they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that you develop and that you make them look good. It's no skin off their back if the number 57 pick, if they have to cut you in training camp. They don't care about that. you know. And then it's, it's a long and hard road to making the NBA after that, the G League, and it's, it's not an attractive lifestyle. The way you know their lifestyle here is so much better than a G League player. So I always tell them, be patient, take your time. You know, now they have NIL money coming in. Hopefully you can stem the tide. I understand you got a family to take care of. If you need to go, go, you know, but you know, the NIL hopefully will help bridge that gap and help kids make better decisions. All right, let's take a break and talk about our good friends at BetterHelp. This episode of the Two Cents Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. We have a question for you. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? We talk so much about athletic performance and what matters on the basketball court. But before you even step foot on the floor, you got to get your mind right. Enter our good friends at BetterHelp. They will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. And it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message right to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read testimonials that are posted daily and visit betterhelp.com slash two cents. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp and recruiting an additional therapist in all 50 states. So we've got a special offer for fans of the Two Cents podcast. So get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash two cents. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash two cents. Let's also talk about our good friends at Quip. Good health starts with good habits. Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials you need to care for your mouth. The Quip electric toothbrush is loved by over 7 million mouths and has timed sonic vibrations with 30-second pulses to guide a dentist-recommended two-minute clean. 
It's got a lightweight and sleek design for adults and kids with no wires or bulky chargers to weigh you down. It's also got a multi-use travel cover that doubles as a mirror for less clutter. It's reusable handles in a range of sleek metal use, including best-selling all black and all pink, as well as bright plastic colors sure to make a pop in your bathroom counter. With stylish and affordable electric brushes, starting at just $25, you won't be paying through the teeth for better oral health. If you go to quip.com slash penny right now, you'll get your first refill for free. That's your first refill free at quip.com slash penny. Just go to getquip.com slash penny. Quip, good health habits company. Yeah, I think that, you know, I was speaking earlier about this, the microwavable era versus the, the baking area, era. Our era was more you had to wait, be patient. You had to know how to play to get in now. The word potential and upside makes kids feel like I can go earlier, and they don't want to be patient. And it's just truly unfortunate, you know, the era that we're going through right now where these kids feel like I can't wait. I got to go after one year. So that's, 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 that's truly unfortunate because – you need to know what you're doing before you go there so that even if you make it, that you can stay. The biggest thing is staying. Talk about staying, not just going, but actually staying. We've seen a shift a little bit the last few years. If you look at last year, Chris Duarte, 24 years mm-hmm. old. He goes number 13 in the draft. You look at Corey Kispert. You know, he's a first-team All-American. He's number 16 in the draft. You look at Davion Mitchell. You look at Trey Murphy. These are guys who are 21, 22, 23, 24 years old, top 20 picks. I didn't five years ago that wasn't the case. I think we're seeing it start to correct itself because these NBA guys they they only have they they only they need to see immediate results. You yes. know, I mean these guys are in the contract for four years. It's you know you have to pay them so early now, and you don't want to take a guy who's eighteen and then he's still a project when he's twenty one. You have to give him two hundred million dollars, and then who knows you know what your salary cap books look like. Yeah, and I'm appreciative of them taking the older kid. We have a kid on our team that just turned 25, DeAndre Williams, but he's a freaking player. Yeah. I'm, I'm not just saying that. They'll see that. Yeah. I feel like if he gets the same opportunity as an 18-year-old, he will dominate that situation every time and show the scouts why he's deserving. But a few years ago, that wouldn't have happened. So I'm happy to see Davion and, and Duarte and all those guys that can really play the older guys you know, being drafted because they can, they can help right now. How do you think the, the rankings affect the kid negatively? Because you hear all these kids going, I'm not ranked high enough. How do you think it affects them neg- negatively? I think people put too much stock into it. They don't understand how fluid the rankings are. You know, you have a good month. If you take your team to the final four, I mean, everything changes all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's just a snapshot. It's a, it's a moment in time. And I tell these kids all the time, I'm open-minded to getting new information. You know, if I'm wrong, I want to know about it now and not, you know, when you're playing in the NBA already and see, damn, you know, like we, we misevaluated that guy. So yeah. I think, um, you know, kids need to be patient, like we said, and they need to just focus on what they can control, which is getting better and helping their team teams win games. Yeah, that's the, that's the biggest thing that I tell our kids. Winning helps everything. A team can see who you are within the winning, but if you're going out there trying to do your own thing to try to make it, and that's what a lot of kids think, I got to get these numbers to make it, it's, it's, it's truly unfortunate. How do you measure the things that you can't see, the IQ, the heart, the toughness? How do you measure those things? Because to me, it's not just all about offense. Most kids think it's about the offensive end is why they get ranked. But you gave me a number of things that you say that you look for. 
and off the court things that you, you ask people about these kids, how are they able to be coached, how are they in the classroom, all these different things. How does that really like get evaluated when you see a kid on the floor like about if he's not going to quit, if he's going to compete instead of just play? I think the more you watch them earlier in their career and you follow their trajectory, I think the more you learn about them. I mean, I've been watching Amani Bates since he was 14 years old. Mm -hmm. I've been watching Jalen Duren since he was 15 years old. And so you see them put in situations where they have to perform, where the pressure is on them, and it's time for them to step up and lead their team and win. And I think that's how you learn about them, as well as developing relationships with people like you and your staff and just trying to figure out what happens when, in, when we're not looking, you know? in practice when things are tough you know when you're going at them how do they react and so you know you're not going to ever know everything but the more information you can gather the more informed you are yeah so how does and we've touched on this already how does paying your dues that's mean being patient has its pros and its cons can you talk about hey i'm going to be patient because jonathan said if i'm patient i could get there how does they have the pros and cons because we talked about the age it's now starting to not really matter anymore they just if you're 24 years old and you can play you're good versus the 18 year old just going, how does it have its pros and cons? I mean, you know, there, the NBA like is very numbers oriented now, you know, they have their draft models they have different formulas, things that they input into their system that tell them, what is this player going to be five or 10 years from now? How does he compare to guys five or 10 years ago? And a big factor in that is age, you know, age is a huge way to evaluate a player's upside. And, you know, most of the guys who were the biggest steals in the draft were drafted very young, and then they developed into something that people didn't, couldn't predict at the time. You know, like a Paul George, for example. Mm -hmm. Some, you know, was not a great player in college at, at Fresno State. Didn't win very many games. And, you know, kind of rose up to the draft process. Or, or a Giannis. You know, Giannis played in the second division in Greece, averaged eight points a game. You know, and so, you know, and you're, you know, DeAndre Williams would average 40 a game in, in, in the Greek second division, but Giannis was 18 years old. He was 180 right. pounds. You right. look at his body, you say, that's where the upside is. Mm -hmm. He's six foot nine. Then he's, then he grows and he turns into this, you know, Hulk <laughs> figure and yeah. his athleticism explodes. I mean, that's, that's upside right there, you yeah. know? And so it's probably not going to happen for DeAndre Williams who's 24 years old, yeah. but that doesn't have to happen for every guy. So that's, you know, what makes our job challenging and what, what's what makes it interesting at the same time. Yeah. What should every player know about having their skills and their production evaluated? What should they know? Like some kids might say, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about, but what should they know? The, do, the, do the owners really look at, what you have to say because they trust that you've done your homework on this kid and you know exactly what you're talking about with the kid. I think they just need to look at it to the sidelines and see that I try to be everywhere. You know, I try to go to as many high school games as I can. I try to go to the EYBL and sit there and, and get to know these guys, get to know their families, USA basketball camps, you know, I mean, all these different events in the summer, trying to come to practices, try to build relationships. So like, I'm not saying that I'm the end all be all. I mean, I don't think anybody should trust my word as, as the gospel, you know, like, so, I mean, they, people need to look at the track record and, and, and analyze it and ask people and, and go off that, you know? I and mean, maybe they think they've got somebody else that has better information or more answers, and I'm fine with that, honestly. Yeah, for me, as a coach, and a lot of the players that I go, you can't put value on that, where a guy just goes out there and just hustles his butt off. He doesn't seem to be like the top defenders, don't seem to be the guys that get the number one nod. They get in the top 20. But it's really the guys that can do pretty much everything that be, uh, he can do more than him. But 
where's the value in the guy? And I wish that these guys would know. Defensively, there's there's less of you than offensively. And if you're an elite defender like a P.J. Tucker, you still have as much value. I want you to still have as much value to be the number one player because he can guard one through five. You can't get anything off of him. He's going to get every offensive rebound. Where's the value for those guys? I mean, look at every NBA team has guys who that's their specialty is playing defense. The Brooklyn Nets, they got Bruce Brown, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, Patrick Beverly made made a career of that. You know, I mean, there there are, you know, Tony Allen, you know, like, so there are players who like weren't huge scorers in college who found their niche in in the NBA. And hopefully you're a two-way player who does everything. You're Giannis, you're Kevin Durant, you know, these guys, they play both ends, you know, so that's what the NBA really wants. Yeah, for me, just, it's just, you know, just to try to pound into these kids everything that you're telling me. It's almost like they only want to believe what they want to believe. They want to say, well, he's wrong about me. I know. But honestly, he's not wrong. So at, at some point, and I'm saying this myself, the kids have to say the evaluation is, is proper. What do I need to do to grow? You're telling me where my weaknesses are. I need to up my weaknesses and keep working on my strengths. My strengths are here. And then maybe I'll give myself the best chance instead of saying, oh, he just doesn't know what he's talking about. So I'm appreciative of you because you do your homework. You, you do enough with um, research to make sure that you're just not throwing things in the air and hoping that it sticks, that you really know what you're talking about. So from a coach's point of view and a former player, I appreciate you going through the due diligence of everything to try to have these players evaluated properly. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time on the on the show. Of course. Thank you so much for your time to come out today for Pro Day. Of course. And uh, there we have it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Hey, my two cents. Cut. <laughs> <laughs>